Welcome back to the No Mulligans podcast inside the studio at Franklin Bridge. It's Jack and Scott here. Uh, Scott S. Hesse Golf. And then Jack, it's uh, the, oh, it's uh, Jack Beard Real Estate. Hey, finally <laughs> got a plug in there. Jack Beard Real Estate. Uh, that's yep. so good. Um, but hey, we are finally back in the studio with our recording equipment. Tate is hard at work on the computer making this sound good. Yep. Um, and we're going to be – it feels like we're finally back. I feel like we're, uh, we are we should have taken a season break there for a bit. Yeah. Well, we got and, some good stuff out. Well, we did. We got some good stuff. Um, we had, you know, I would say parts of some of the podcasts that we shot were like really good moments or there might have been sure. a lot of like good little tidbits but didn't have our same energy. Yeah. We didn't have our mics so like we're a little out of sorts um, but, you know – even when you get really good at something, sometimes uh, things happen and you miss something. So back to, I mean, harken back to uh, the professor from uh, who wrote the book, The Five Elements of Effective Thinking, right? Like um, if there's a problem you can't solve, there's an easier one you can't solve. Find it. Yeah. And sure enough, we got it working. Which is, that. Yeah, which is uh, kind of goes into what we're talking about today Yeah. too, yeah. Um, which is going to be, Scott... Well, I want to talk, I've seen a lot in some of my students, um, I've seen it in my own life, uh, in my staff. We were talking about it before we came on the podcast, too. Yep, family, people at church, like you just kind of, as you get to know people more, and we're coming around holidays, so like, generally like people's, things get amplified a little bit, right? Um, It's slow season for us, which we're still pretty busy, but, um, and and cracking the code. Shoot, that's a big shift for a lot of people. We're really pushing on them, so like. Yeah, just had a really cool bear bear tournament as yep. well that was um, great a lot of good things are happening at the club one thing that i love just <laughs> real quick about uh brooks and about franklin bridge just in general is that like we don't have like an off season here at franklin no. bridge like we have no. like we've got the tournament schedule somewhere in here i saw it like <laughs> right, yeah, right over there and like we've got a tournament or two in every single season mm. here at the bridge i think that's just really cool i feel like a lot of uh, a lot of courses will shut down for the winter but uh game never stops here no, it doesn't. And, you know, it's uh, the challenge is, like, as we hit stressors in life and, you know, our team is growing, so that inherently means that there's going to be conflict. Uh, and the business is growing. So just by the nature, even if we don't have internal conflict in our team, we have conflict in, like, managing a bigger business. And so, like, what will tend to happen as we grow and expand and as our students improve, as they hit new tiers of performance and ceilings, like your past experiences will influence your present and future reality. Like that's kind of what I texted you and Tate about, which was like, we need an, like a topic that I'm excited about and passionate about. And uh, that really came up to me. It's like your current view of what's happening in your life, good, bad, or indifferent, is viewed through the lens of your past experiences. Really important context note, subconsciously. Correct. You don't have to think about it. So um, It's because it's your brain's way that it's always thought. Right. Because you've been formed by your past experiences. Well, we had uh, Jamie on the podcast uh, yeah. the th- of the Thrivalist podcast, uh, which I was on recently, yeah. which was super cool. I really enjoyed that. I love the way he asks questions too. Mm-hmm. Um, but he um, he even talks about like like that's the first job of our brains when we get older is to like protect us, right? 
but it actually keeps us from thriving if we stay in that mode. Right? Yeah. We won't approach the the challenges. We won't face the challenges. We won't face the people. We won't change our view of the thing or the people. Like, And we either freeze, run, or fight, and none of which are actually beneficial. Yeah, or turn to an alternative to either numb out or Ooh, not think yeah. about it. Yeah. Yep. All, avoidance is yeah, one. avoidance there you yep. go um and we all do it right like I, i'm just as prone to it as the next person and, yeah you know if I, we sat in a therapy session i could give you a nice long list yeah yeah and all the ways i do it i mean one thing that i want to mention before we go too deep into it is i think that if you want to change this and if you're hearing what scott's saying and you're like man that that's me uh i think i think the recognition is the is the first step and I mean, you hear this in like the AA meetings all the time. Like the first step is admitting you have a problem. It's like, I don't, I don't even want to say you have a problem. It's just recognizing your tendencies that you have right. or that you've done. Right. I don't think, I think that that's such a negative, uh, like stereotype of like a problem. It's not a problem. It's just, it's just a roadblock that you have to get through. Right. And, or a speed bump or whatever. Or a speed like, bump. Yeah. Perfect. You have, you have something in your way that yeah. you have to push through. And so like for me as i'm watching some of my students it's um you know to give an easy example is uh, from the golf side is hey i've worked really hard on my driver through the winter i've gotten really good at it and i've played on a couple different golf courses and had some success just just casually right just you know chill not pushing really hard just not in a tournament setting, just playing. But now I'm going to go play this golf course. I'm going to go on this golf trip, right, that I've been looking forward to, right, with my buddies. I'm going to go play well. And you get there, and the question becomes, do you choose to trust and view everything that happens to you through the lens of the new you? Or do you choose, and it's a choice. That's the hard part. Or do you choose to view what's happening? Maybe hit a bad shot on the first hole off the first tee. That can set in motion uh, a spiral of like, man, here it goes again. But you've had six months of really good driving of the golf ball and you've prepared really well. You've put yourself in stressful situations at your home golf course and you've performed. Like <clears throat> now all of a sudden it shows up. Is that the guy who, hey, I hit bad shots when I'm you know, practicing, but I don't hit, I don't stay that way. Or am I the guy who just keeps hitting bad shots the entire round? Yeah, that's why the people who get out on the golf course and are like, oh, it's, it's never like this. It's because like we go back to the, the last podcast we had, it's because you're not putting enough pressure in your practice, right? right? And people don't, uh, and, and it goes back to, I'm sure, a podcast that we did a long time ago, but you don't rise to the occasion. You fall to your highest level of preparation. Mm. And that includes the mental side. Correct. Bingo. And so like, I, I think that wrestling with these thoughts and the topic that we're bringing up as far as your past experiences influencing your future, if we don't do the prep work, to go and understand our past, we're never going to be able to gain in our mental preparation in the future. Well, and, and one of the most dangerous things, um, and both men and women do this, um, I think women do it in a different way than men, and I think there's a lot more emotional attachments that come with it uh, because they they process things differently, right? They're, they're pulling them, you know, uh, multiple factors in where men tend to be more this if this then that they're like if all of these yeah, things yeah then binary this. instead of <clears throat> uh multiple options yeah yeah and so but it's ruminating mm. so uh jordan peterson has talked about this <laughs> we're not we don't have uh 
Oh, who am I thinking of? <laughs> Gary V. Gary V. We don't have Gary V. We're on Jordan <laughs> Peter. Uh, but, um, and Brooks actually shared this with me one time. He said there's three forms of thought um, or three forms of intellect from highest to lowest. Like the lowest form of intellect is thought, right? Anybody can think and you're not accountable to anybody, right? So when you're just thinking, you're not accountable to anybody. You have no way of reviewing of what's in your head and you generally get stuck in one lane when you're just sitting there thinking you're not taking in other factors so like that's the lowest form the second form is speaking now when you speak you hear yourself say it and if you're around other people you're also accountable to their perception of it so it's actually a check on you which is why social media can be very dangerous because it's a sounding board of the same thing that you output right and Rather also than you're having not a, physically speaking it you are artificially saying it but it feels like a uh, more it's of still a, thought. a thought, yeah. Right. Rather it's still than still the lowest form, yes, like yes. you're thinking, like, oh, I really like that, and so you'll share it. But you're not actually, you're not physically actually speaking. It's why people will say things on social that they'll never say otherwise. You're also not afraid of the repercussions, yeah, right? Yeah, bingo. it's like, oh, you, you know, oh, I can just take the post down if it's bad, and you give it three days, and it'll fall away. But if you speak something out in front of a group, it can stay for a while and it hits people differently like the words that you use matter you know um you know we even phrase some things poorly in some of our marketing it's like yeah that's not really what we mean and that's gonna hit different it'll shift the culture if we're not careful so just be more intentional with those things yeah like, it's also um like speaking to i think that's also a um uh, i think what brooks is also trying to say too is is how you say it and uh the, right? the posture in which you say it as Correct. well like there's a lot of uh um not subconscious, but there's a lot of uh, uh, other factors involved rather than just your vocal cords making vibrations, right? right? It's it's how you're standing, it's how you're how you're projecting it, it's your it's your um, your sentence structure, right. it's everything. Right. Just think about how like if you're really upset about something or towards someone, when you actually go and speak to them, it's almost always softer. Mm. Rarely is it at the same level like you had it all built up in your head because now you're accountable to the physical person that's in front of you. It might not even be softer too. It just might not be how you imagined it. Right. In your it head. won't it won't come out the same. It could be louder. Right. It won't come out the same though because you're you're accountable to what's in front of yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. And so then the third form is written. That's the highest level of intellect. Because when you write, that's why I love journaling so much. Obviously, I've written two books, but it's not about that. Like, I get in these ruts where I don't journal, and I usually am not very healthy when I don't journal. But the other thing, too, is it's not necessarily what is getting written down on the page. It is the uh, the chain reaction that happens when you think the thought, and then you have to physically use your body to ink that thought on the paper. Well, and it takes longer to write yes. than it does to speak. So it you, takes longer to yep. speak than it does to think. Yep. And so you ha you're forced to like how much do I actually believe or understand the thing? And s sometimes you'll write and be like, you know, I actually believe that or like that actually kind of sounds kind of stupid when I think about it. And sometimes you have to uh like I get into a really bad habit of this and I probably need to journal more because of it. <laughs> we but all should. I get into a, um, situations where my thought moves way quicker than my mouth can mm. and sometimes stutters happen. I mean, you guys probably heard it in the podcast all the time. I probably, I've already done it this episode, <laughs> right. but when you can slow down and figure out what you're going to say or write, 
it then keeps your brain in check for longer. Well, it's why I've told people I'm a lot better writer than I am a speaker. And uh, that's actually true, should be true for all of us. Sure. Right? Because when I go to write the articles that I send out every week, I really have to think through it. And I'll, I'll write it and I'll go back and reread it and go, I don't mean that. No, that's, that's not it. Mm. And if I go back a year, if I go back to the ones I wrote in March or April, I'd be like, nope. I actually did this the other day. I don't like parts of that like I don't fully mean that like most of it was good but um this isn't what I mean yeah but it forces you to actually think through it and reveal it so now let's talk about how um and we don't necessarily have to get into painful points but now let's talk about how past experiences will inform our future thoughts so we've now we've now discussed how we express that from present to future in the most effective ways but now let's talk about how some of the past experiences can inform our thought. Uh, so I'll give a, a simple one. Um, there's a, a young man I started teaching a few uh, weeks ago. His name's Braden. Um, I don't mind sharing his name. I don't think he would mind either, but he's going to try playing professionally next year. Um, he's got one more year in college. Hasn't won anything yet. Uh, significant anyway. He's won some small things. Beautiful golf swing, right? Oh gosh. It's it's the most technically sound gosling that I teach from a physics standpoint. It's phenomenal. Um, but he's, um, he doesn't score as low as he should. Finally shot 68 the other day. That's uh, his lowest 18. Um, he shot 32. I told him he's got to shoot 32 before the end of, um, the end of November. And he was pushing. He got the, he got, yeah, he yeah, I wanted to shoot 32. Shot 32, but it was shoot 67 or lower. We didn't achieve that. And on like the last day of October, like October 31st, he's out there playing. He's playing 27 holes. Like he had thought in his head, like the day before, like, I'm going to do this. 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 Well, what was his experience in trying that hard? He fails, right? Yeah. He shot the highest round he shot all year. But there's a lesson in that too for him is like, hey, I need you to play a lot more. Now, his default after that, is to go on the range. I know that that's his default, right? That's his past experience is he's played really bad, gone and worked really hard on the range, and it got him better. <coughs> that's not the whole game though, right? His technique was poor, so he went and worked on it. It worked. It made him better, but only up to a certain degree. That doesn't work anymore. And so, But in his mind, he's claiming that it does, even though, it's, even though it's not the problem. Because it did work to protect him in the past, but it's not going to work to take him to the future. Does he still need to practice? Yes, but he's a guy who spends 90% of his time on the range. He told me that. I was like, Braden, I got to get you on the golf course and you play 100 holes a week. Now, I knew he was going to tank by trying harder. Like I knew he wasn't going to shoot the 67, even though like he used all the sports psychology tricks, right? But I, that's not what he needed. He needed to fail. <clears throat> and so he did. And then he goes and plays the next day, shoots two under? Yeah, shot two under the next day with six birdies, seven birdies. He'd never had that many birdies in a round. And bogeyed his last three holes. Right, so he was on track. But what happened? He let go and trusted. But I needed him to try to push harder and try to make it more perfect to realize that that's not how you do it. The other thing and something that I struggle with, especially on the golf course, too, is then finishing, right? I don't think there's any coincidence that he had the most birdies than he's ever had while also bogeying the last three holes. Right. Now he's got to learn how to overcome that. Now, what's his default again? His default's going to be going the range more. I told him I want 100 holes a week through the entire end of the year. Like that's, 
<clears throat> I know what he's going to go back and grab onto. That's the what we call implicit memory. He's going to do without thinking what seems right and most natural and most safe. But that's the thing that's actually going to damage him, and it has. And so I put him in a situation where he basically can't practice. Sorry, bud. You're just going to play until you figure it out. Well, like that's a scary thing to do. So he's having to actively work on what we call explicit memory, which is like the active conscious attention to go, I'm not going to view this thing through the lens that is my default. And default is literally, like you said earlier, subconscious. It is not a conscious thing that happens. It's what you've learned. It's called learned behavior, right? Which is sometimes why it's hard to find or you're like, I just don't know why I can't do this. It's like, because you, right. you do know. Right. But you... You, you got to figure out what that is. Right. And you have to hit that wall where you don't figure it out. And so like from a golf standpoint, that was exactly an example of you will practice incorrectly. We have a guy right now in cracking the code. He's like, so are we going to get to hit balls next week? Cause we're there not allowed to hit balls for the first two weeks. I was like, we allowed to play. I was like, maybe I'm going to give them the option to play one round a week, but no range balls hit. Like it's just, you're just going to go out and play with what you're stuck with. And I'm also going to put on there, depends on how good you want to be. Do you want to stay in this process of not hitting golf balls? Like, or, and actually get better because guess what? When I put you all in the video with no ball being hit, you screwed it up. It's two weeks in. You already screwed it up. So do you think you're ready to hit a golf ball yet? Well, but I need to hit balls, right? So like the default is I need to hit more golf balls to make me better. It's a winner program, dude. What are you trying to hurry up and get to the finish line? It's a marathon, dude. You just ran your first mile in three and a half minutes. You ain't going to finish the marathon. You're going to get to, you know, mile number seven and probably mile two and keel over. And that's what's about to happen to almost half that class. And I'm going to help. I'm going to try and cut them off at the pass and be like, nope, sit back down, get their, back in this process. Their homework needs to listen to this podcast. <laughs> right. No, it's, that's going to happen next week. Like they're already wanting to go play. I was like, I get that you want to go play, but you signed up for this program to get better. And by golly, if I'm going to teach you, Erica's going to teach you and Elijah's going to teach you, you're going to get better. And if you can't do it without a ball, Without hitting a ball, without making a swing other than just a backswing, if you can't do that right, what are we doing? You're going to go hit a ball and do it wrong. That's not going to make you better. Not in this context. Now, if you're going to go play in something next week and you wanted a quick refresher before you went out to play, that's an entirely different golf lesson. This is the off season. This is the time to grind and get you ready for April and May. But guess what? For a lot of them, the default is like, I need to hit more balls. Right? What is what do they condition themselves to? If I hit more golf balls, that is going to make me better. Like if you actually do the math on like if you're practicing ineffectively versus if you practice effectively without a golf ball, and then when it's time, you do eventually need to put golf balls in the equation, right? If you then take say four months of not hitting a single golf ball, but making some swings and perfecting the motion, and one where you hit balls and you work on the motion hard at the same time, once you get to where they've tied. And then you give it like another month or two of actually hitting golf balls with the swing that didn't hit balls for four months, they will be substantially farther ahead by the time you hit, in our case, May. They will be so far ahead, it's not even close. And here's the scientific reason why, right? And effectively, when you take away the golf ball and you're making the motion correctly every single time, mm -hmm. you're focused on the motion and not hitting the golf ball, correct? Right. So... What's your, what is your brain's job if you were to go out and play a round 
or if you were to go out and, I mean, shoot, I don't know, just hit balls on the range, right? Your brain's job is to make sure that that club face hits the ball. Oh, that's with, so good. With under that's no, so good. under no any 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 anything else. That's the that's the sole job. Well, I, I'm really focusing on my golf swing. No, yeah, you're not. But not your really. brain's really gonna flip the switch. Yes, but if you can keep that the golf ball out of the equation for the right amount of time, like you said, it's a lot longer than it's you. It's a think. lot longer than you might think, and make that motion correctly. When you then do get the ball down, your brain is then gonna revert to the motion that it's been making for months. Correct. Without the golf ball. Right. Or weeks in this case. Right. It's like our brains default to what they're accustomed to. It's it's gonna go to that as soon as that ball's there. People are like, oh, I just don't know why I can't do it. Because you're not committed to it. One of my favorite you've seen me do this before in River Club Clinics, it's like somebody's struggling to get the motion changed and I'll pull them in front of everybody and they'll hit two and they're trying to do the right movement and I'll step up there and I'll demonstrate like their wrong one and their correct one, exaggerated, and they can see them both. I said, How come I can do it and you can't? And somebody usually in the group will say like, well, because you only care about showing the movement to look correct or exaggerated. Yeah, I don't even care. And most of the time, I don't hit the ball well. I'm trying to show you that what leads you to control the club is you controlling your body. And what leads you to controlling your body is controlling your mind. When you go to hit that golf ball, none of you are ready to actually hit that golf ball yet. Even in putting, we're probably starting it too early, but I want them to hit some balls and so they can putt. You know, it's like, well, I don't want to do the two-footers anymore. I want to do the three- and four-footers. You know what I mean? You know how many of them can't make 25 two-footers in a row? You'd be surprised. Go home and go and try this. You can't hit the same putt twice in a row. Full routine. You can't just go two-foot, 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 two-foot all the way around the hole. You can't go quick like that. Actually go through the way it would be in a tournament and actually line up the two-footer, set up to it, and hit it. You'll be amazed at how hard making 25 in a row from two feet is. But I, I want to work on... What about my lag putting? <laughs> Dude, you can't make the two-footer if you had it. I think we have some people who can't get past 10, 11, 12. What's funny, too. Which is you laugh at, but like it's way harder than no, you No, no, no. I'm laughing because it's those same people who, and this is no like diss. This is just what we're talking about today. Like if you had a giant green, those, those people shot dispersion, they, it'd probably leave them with 45 feet or 50 feet or 60 feet right, to the pen, wide. right? And then they make the best lag putt they've ever made, and it gets it to you know three feet or whatever. Which is good. And then miss the three-footer, which I'm guilty of doing myself. Yep. <laughs> so yep. it's like, what good is making that really good lag putt if you're just going to miss the three-footer at the end? <laughs> right. Well, people go like, well, I want to work on my full swing. I need to get on the green more. It's like, well... I need to get to the green more. I was like, I agree with you, but like that's only one part of the game. Yeah. And even when you get there, yeah, I can't tell you how many times this happens. Like players will hit more greens, and part of the reason why they don't make as many putts is because they're not they hit more greens, but they're still far from the hole. It's like, why do you hit more greens to score lower? Well, you know, I'm hitting it so much better, but I'm not scoring any lower. I was like, because your short game isn't there. We've proved that with BP and OP and POA and golf decoded, right? Like, where do people lose most of the shots? It's not actually on the approach. It's either a penalty shot which most people can avoid, even the worst golf swings can avoid penalties, and it's due to short game. Like, they don't wedge it close enough or they don't make enough putts or get the putt close enough to the hole. Like, that is fundamentally, like, it's proven time and time and time again. And it's so funny to people, like, get on the range and the first club they pull is their driver. Like, gosh. Yeah, they'll grab that or they'll grab a seven iron. I'm like, you think you're ready? Like th- hitting a seven iron is like going out to the basketball court and shooting Steph Curry threes. <laughs> Drivers are are the half court line, right? Like yeah. 
what are you what are you doing? Yeah, what do yeah. most basketball what what does every sport start with? Yeah, in the a fun, good coaches. The fundamentals. The most fundamentals. Like it's, even in a football team, it's like, hey, we're gonna work on the snap because we don't get the snap right. It doesn't matter. No, no, what not else even not even the snap. Let's get the formation right. Right. Like can we even stand in the right place? Bingo, yeah. Then can we snap it? And if we can't snap it right, I'm I can't remember the coach. Hank used to tell this story all the time. There was a coach who like he would send his quarterback in the center out there and they would have to do like 50 perfect snaps in a row. Not a, not a fumble, not a little foible, like had to be dead on exact. And they do both in the shotgun and I don't know what all the under center. Yeah. Under center. Like they do both. Right. And if they didn't do that, right. Didn't bring the rest of the team on the football field. No, he made them get there earlier than the rest of the team. But like, he's like, if we don't do that, from our you know as an offensive head coach like you're not gonna it doesn't matter what else we do so hold on this is a good really good parallel um well it's a good bringing us back to square one where your past experiences aka just showing up to the range and whacking balls is influencing what you believe is going to be future success which is more balls or whatever you believe the end game will be right Mm -hmm. yeah and that could be different for everybody's situations personal professional uh casual like with the game right but what we need to do is reframe our mind to what is really important what has informed my experiences in the past Mm -hmm. and how can we reshape those for the golf example it's making two footers or focusing on your short wedges Mm -hmm. And then building back from there and right. reforming, we're going to tear down the entire building and rebuild from the foundation up. And essentially that's what cracking the code is. Right. And this year I'm pushing them harder than ever before. And guess who I get the most pushback from? Tell me. The people from the previous years. Oh, interesting. Because we guess what we didn't do as much. We didn't push them as hard. Uh, but guess what? I'm becoming a better teacher and I understand. Mm-hmm that the reason why half of you didn't get nearly as good as the others did is because I let you run the show too much. You're paying me. It's my show. Yeah. I know how to make you better. Like yeah. when you go play for Nick Saban, you don't get to choose. You go play for Bobby, yeah. Bobby Knight passed no, away no, recently. I mean, Nick, like, Nick Saban's a great example for right now. Bobby Knight's a great one too, but yeah, like you go Coach there. K, Coach uh, you, K too. All, you name any great you coach. You go in there to go into, they, there's a reason they call it a program. Yeah. Like, it is a program. Who is the women's basketball coach at Tennessee? Pat Summit. Yeah. Like you don't get to like you don't get to do that. You go there because of what the program makes you. Right. And like, not because of what you think you can be. And Avery's doing a lot of her editing on the videos, right? Like Avery dropped sixteen points in his handicap from cracking the code last year. He's the only person to practice in the way that I'm forcing people to practice this year. Now, did some people get close to that? Are varying levels of that? Yeah. And the more committed they were to the level of discomfort, the better they got and the faster they got there. Now, it feels slow. Avery's like, oh, what do you mean I don't get to hit a ball more than 100 yards with a 7-iron? He can hit a 7-iron 170 yards. Yeah, that's all you get. For how long? Until I tell you to stop. Well, I... I I mean, I told them all, like, I need you to watch The Karate Kid before you start this. But, like, their past experiences are like, oh, man. Well, now I'm not going to hit a golf ball. But when I do, I'm probably not going to hit it very good. Well, it's also I'm not going to let you hit it full. Right? Like, I'm trying to get you away from 
that implicit memory that wants to do this. And part of getting away from that is to get so far from it that it's it doesn't instinct. have any other choice. Like, right, right. It has to let go and surrender instead of trying to protect you. Bingo. So as we kind of land the plane here for this like topic, like what is something, and, and I'll chime in here too, but like what is something that we can do on a day-to-day basis to understand what has informed our actions up to this point? Mm-hmm. And... And then what can we do to recognize that when those situations come to us? And I think a lot of that people might be thinking when they're listening to this personal stuff. Like yeah, it could be uh, no, a lot dude, of personal, it's personal stuff. is way more than golf. Bingo. But I guess for this situation, mm-hmm. uh, I, I would ask you guys to explore that in your personal lives as well. But for golf specifically, like how can we understand? And I think we just went through a few good examples, but how can we understand that? Well, I think, I think the first one is the hardest piece is Mm self-awareness. Am I getting as good as I want to get? No. What am I currently doing? So like answer those questions. Like, am I where I want to be? No. What am I currently doing? And like write down everything you're doing. Well, I play this many times. Uh, I don't track stats uh, or I do track stats. Uh, These are the stats I track. Uh, These are the people I play with because that can affect you. Right, you be playing with people that are in it, that are not helping you, right? This is how often I take lessons. Uh, this is how committed I am in my lessons. Like you can, you can make that list as detailed as you want or as basic as you want. But the more detailed it is, the more aware you become. And then it's going, all right. What about those things is keeping me from the things that I want? And what mm. about that is helping me get there? And for most people. You can't answer it yourself. You have to write it and hand it to somebody and be, we did this before on a podcast like last year. You have to be willing for them to tell you, hey man, what what you think you need to do right now, it ain't right. That's not right. Like that's not going to get you there. Like it's just not. And so like that's the first phase and that goes for the personal life too. Like, all right. How am I viewing my marriage, my parenting, my my parents, my boss, my coworkers, my significant other, my yeah, my significant other, my uh, my financial situation, my work situation, my you know everything. What like pick something relationally? I think is a really important one. Think yeah. about the relationship you have the most tension with, or that bother or bothers you the most. It might be two or three. Oh, this is gonna be really good. And go. All right. What is it about that? What is it about that? About me, right? Not about them because you can't change them. You're not in control of that. Yeah. What is it about how I'm viewing them that is creating the tension and the discomfort in me? Because you know what? 99 times out of 100, they don't feel that discomfort. Only you do, which means Mm. (laughs) 99 times out of 100, you're the one who has to do something different. Yeah. Even, Even if it's not your fault. Right? It's... but. Am I doing things that are actually creating that situation, right? So, like, I can use one from my my personal life. It's like, hey, you know, like, uh, my son just wants to go hang out with his friends right after school even when I'm home. Why has he done that, right? Like, uh, my son just doesn't want to spend any time with me. Well, in that situation, did I ask him to go with me somewhere else? Like, but what have I done when I've had other friends in my past who like, I want to spend time with and like, Hey, I'm going to spend time with so-and-so. I'm like, ah, man, I didn't, in those situations, I didn't ask. And that just felt safe. Like, all right, I'll just go find somebody else over here. And so like, I've gone from friend to friend to friend to friend and not actually deepen those relationships. But if I think about my really good relationships, 
those are the ones I kept pursuing. And so I created this message in my head of like, well, I'm just always the one who has to get us all together all the time. Well, isn't that how every relationship works? Like, if you want the relationship, if you want to spend more time with that person, you have to initiate it. Now, they will reciprocate some. But, like, if you view it through that lens, you'll always view it through that lens. And so that's how I view even, like, my son. Like, as I think back about it, it's like, wow, that's really sad, Scott. Well, it, it might be, but it's also very insightful. Like, all right, I can actually do something about that. If I ask him, hey, bud, like, let's go to the golf course and practice together. He's not going to say no to that. And even if he does, like, well, what, what would you want to do? You and me, well, we can go do anything we want. He'll come up with something. I say, go Chuck E. Cheese. Like, I, he wants to spend time with his dad, but I'm viewing it as he doesn't want to spend time with me. Yeah, or it could be. Because my friends didn't want to spend time with me because right. they never asked me. Or if he wants to go see his friends and he wants to deepen those relationships, then, hey, bud, you want to have your friends over? We'll have a putting competition down at the bridge. Like, right. We can, I can we still can, engage them. We can do it all together. Right. So anyway, all that's a good example just to say that like we need to examine why we have those gut feelings when we have them. Yeah. The ones that are painful, the ones that are right. – and, and I, I love the golf example too, especially um, with Braden with uh, um, you know, so, not being able to finish too. Like right. I, I struggle with that on the golf oh, course. I just can't finish the rounds. You can't you, keep saying that. Right. Like if you keep saying right. it, you create it. Right. And like, oh, see, I just always – and, and, and even when you face it and even if you fail again, you just got to be like, dude, we got to keep at that. We got to right. keep at that. We got to run straight through the wall. We talked about that with uh, the other player I had in here earlier today trying to learn how to create speed and distance, right? It took them 75 balls to finally let go. And they're like, well, what do I do? I was like, keep going. Well, what do yep. I do? Keep going. Well, how do I figure it out? keep going you got to run through it and almost submit to the process right. until until it clicks that first time and then you will have it you will be elated with i'll, this I'll leave you with you an have. extreme example that's it's kind of comical but like it's how deep the implicit memory goes which is the reaction side and how actively we have to work on the explicit side which is hard to like reframe it and it's this like there's a guy who's the world's there's three phases of the world's worst putter you ready First phase, uh, <clears throat> I'm the world's worst putter. Cool. Second phase, I'm the world's worst putter. Watch, I'll show you. Third phase, I'm the world's worst putter. See, I told you so. Right? Like, but that's what we do, right? Like, ah, you know, my marriage is struggling. See, I told you it was like, let me show you, right? Like, first phase, like, ah, my marriage is struggling. Second phase, like, my marriage is struggling. See, I'll, I'll, let me show you. Third one is, see, I told you so, right? And so, like, we actually create the thing. Now, I'm not saying there aren't situations that aren't bad, like, but, like, most of the time it starts with us because we've created the thing that it is that we fear. You know what's interesting is, uh, and I'll leave you with this, is that you can actually fun fact do the exact same thing the other way. Yes, you can. And, yes, you can. Uh huh. Uh huh. And so, it's, but it takes more effort. And oh, it takes a, and it takes a conscious effort, and you have to keep doing. You have to keep doing it even when it's not even when it's not fun or even when it's hard. So I I mean I really enjoy that. I think it's just as easy to go down one path than it is the other. But yep. uh, 
it's because the it's process called, is the same is the same difficulty, but you have to consciously will your way into the right it, direction. It's called anchoring. Yeah, and it's the more you mull over it, like if you mull over something once, it actually makes it like it's happened a total of five times. Mm. And so think about that. If I had one bad interaction with, uh, I'll, I'll use Brooks because I had one early on, right? And I reacted to it poorly. Now Brooks is really good at pursuing me when I brought it up to him, right? And he's like, Scott, let's think through this, like. A, I'm sorry if I made you feel that way, right? B, what's what what can I do to help? And it's like then you start as we dialogue, you're like, oh, I'm actually viewing you through a lens of another experience that I had, rather than just dialoguing with you, right? And so like that created the mess. And that's a skill of Brooks to make you recognize that as well. Right. Yeah. But like I had to go and step my foot in it, screw it up. And you don't get a lot of people in life that'll do that for you. But it's a, it's a challenge. But the explicit memory is conscious work. And so, like, I've had to continue to do that. Like, sometimes I'll view a text from him that way. It's like, no, no, no. What do I know is true? It's like having to shut off. You can shut off the implicit and actually reframe everything that's happened to you in the past so that it can benefit you in the future instead of ruining you. That's a sweet ending right there. That's awesome. Uh, man, I hope you guys found this uh, insightful and powerful. Uh, I, I, This is what I'm going through right now as a, twi- too, as a 26-year-old. I think, I think you go through it any time in life, right? But the earlier that you can start it, the earlier you can practice uh, the habits of doing this positive anchoring and per- keep on pursuing the right the right yeah. way that you want to do things, I think your life will just get better with time. So, and it's perfect timing for Thanksgiving with time with family. Perfect, like, perfect. Use this; it'll help you. Love it, love it. Well, from Scott and Jack inside the studio at Franklin Bridge, it's been the No Mulligans podcast. Make sure to watch, view, subscribe, listen, whatever you guys are doing. Thumbs up. That way, it really helps us with other people who are looking for podcasts just like this. So, from Scott and Jack inside the studio at Franklin Bridge, we'll see you on the next one. Peace. <laughs>